The following audio is from The Springs Church. More information about The Springs Church is available at thesprings.cc. Well, good morning, Springs Church. I want to welcome you in the name of Jesus. And for those of you that are uh, visiting, I want to welcome you. May the grace and, and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Those that are watching online, uh, we love you, and we're so thankful that you're here. Here at the Springs, we are uh, a church that's being transformed to the image of, of God so that anyone can find their way to God. And we do that three ways, by gathering in the name of the Father, by growing in the image of the Son, and by going in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we are in a season of Advent, and so a quick announcement that we want to make you aware, and there'll be... We'll post this on social media and remind you of this. Christmas falls on Sunday morning. This year, we are going to have a Christmas Eve service where we're going to celebrate the arrival of Jesus, his birth into the world. That'll be December 24th, Christmas Eve at 5 p.m. We'll meet together and celebrate together. We will not meet on Sunday morning. We're going to leave that time for families and for you to celebrate with your family. So please remember, join us Christmas Eve at 5 p.m. That will be our Christmas service. It'll be our Christmas, Christmas Eve service where we celebrate the life of Jesus together. We are in the season of, of Advent, and this is the first Sunday of Advent. And so uh, I want to begin by reading our scripture, our Advent scripture today, which is from Isaiah chapter 2, 1 through 5. The word that Isaiah, son of Amaz, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised above the hills and all the nations shall stream to it. Many peoples shall come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and shall arbitrate for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, as always, we give you thanks. And we come to you as a trusting people. Trusting that your word came into the world, that your word dwells among us, and that your word will come again. Your word to us, Jesus. So we trust in your words. Fill us with your word. Give us ears to hear, hearts to follow, lives and bodies to obey. And God, I ask for the gift of preaching. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Well, 
another Black Friday. Anybody do any shopping on Black Friday? Uh, it's just not the same as it used to be. I mean, we all miss those crazy lines and getting up at four in the morning, right? We all miss that. Does anybody know, everybody's head is shaking, no, I don't miss it. Does anybody know why it's called Black Friday? It's not because it's a dark day. Yeah, it's financial reasons. It's actually called Black Friday because most businesses, it's when they start counting that their business and their books are getting to the black. You count all year long what it costs a business to run, and they typically run in the red. So what it, all the overhead, what it costs to pay employees, all of these things, is that's what it costs, and you typically run in the red. And then from Black Friday up to the end of the year is usually the margin where they go in the black and when they start making money. At least that's what companies hope for. They are hoping that they get back in the black. So in that hope, they're going to do all kinds of things to get you to buy and come into their store. They're going to work hard. They're going to be up early. They're going to stay open late. Well, maybe not as up as early as they used to and not as late as they used to. But they're going to work really, really hard and make all the effort to make sure they get in the, the black. I just got done teaching a semester, another semester at Oklahoma Christian University, and we're going to start one here in January. And semesters for students are full of lots and lots of hope. They come into a semester with lots of hope, and that hope gives them the power and the energy to actually study, to actually work and read. They have hope that they're going to make a good grade or pass the class. or So they're going to work hard at doing that. Now there's some, like I've just had, that come to me the week before finals. And they're really hoping to pass the class. But they haven't done the work. And they haven't done what's necessary. And that's a different kind of hope. But the kind of hope we're talking about today is hope that leads us to do something. It leads us into action. It empowers us. Have you ever had that kind of hope? Have you ever had the kind of hope that drives you to get up and start working towards something? I didn't plan on saying this this morning. And I, I don't have her permission, so I'm asking for an apology. But Chris talked this morning about her stroke. And when you had your stroke, we had a lot of hope. A lot of hope that she would survive. And most of that was out of our hands besides praying. But that's the kind of hope to where it's out of our hands. But what's impressive is not only what God did in her life, but it's the kind of hope that she had afterwards. Because we prayed for this, and they prayed for this, but she hoped that not only that she would survive, but that she would learn to walk again, that she'd learn to talk, to read, and by the way, very well, thank you very much, 
And I haven't talked to Chris about this, but I know. She had that hope, but it wasn't a passive hope. You worked hard. And your hope drove you to do that. And we're all very thankful that not only that Chris is with us, but that she stood up here and read. Amen? Amen. Let's give her a round of applause. Thank you so much. for that. At the beginning of this year, we talked about hope. And we used a definition by a, a guy by the name of Chan Hellman, who said this. He said, hope is the belief. You put it up on the screen. Hope is the belief that your future can be better than your past. Hope is the belief that your future can be better than your past and that you actually have a role to play in making it better. Have you ever hoped for something? And that hope drove you. That hope for a better future drove you to take a role in accomplishing that thing. That your hope that you believed in a better future and that that hope drove you to take a role by making it so, by participating in that hope. And Chan Hellman says that there's two things that we need in order to have hope. He says one is pathways. And pathways are this roadmap that a person has to begin the journey to a future. It is defined, it is a fine path towards a goal in the future. It is a way that we see, hey, this is a pathway, this is a roadmap to where I can see a better future than right now. And the second thing is not only need pathways, that we also need a sense of agency, that we can actually do something. It's the belief that we have control, at least some power and control to do something about it. It's the ability to dedicate mental and physical energy to sustain the journey towards a different future. So hope is the belief that your future can be better than your past and that you actually have a role to play in making it better. And that you have to have pathways, you have to have a roadmap, you have to be able to say, hey, this is the way. And two, you got to believe that you have a role to play. That's what hope is. And so in Isaiah, here is Isaiah's vision of hope. He says, in the days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised above the hills and all nations shall stream to it. Many people shall come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. So the hope of the Lord is that one day, he is going to reign above all. That's what this imagery of the highest mountain is. But then he goes on and he says this, that, that there's actually pathways and agency within this. The pathway is this, that all nations will come. And it says that he will teach us 
his ways. In other words, the word of the Lord, God's word, his teaching, is a pathway towards hope. And it's not that he just offers us a pathway. That Isaiah, his vision of hope is that God has offered us a pathway through his teaching. But that we also have agency because it says so. That we may walk in his paths. That God provides the pathway towards hope through his word. And that you can see the way to hope. And that you and I can also not only see the way to hope, but have agency or have a role or responsibility to actually participate in that hope so that we can walk in his ways. We have the ability to obey and make a better future. Bring God's future into the present. And this future is not only for ourselves. This future is for the entire world world because he goes on to say this here's the hope for the world is that God shall judge between the nations and shall arbitrate for many peoples and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks nations shall not lift up the sword against nation neither shall they learn war anymore Here's another pathway. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their, and their spears into pruning hooks. This is the hope. You and I, this is not n- news to any of us. But we live in a pretty divided world. I mean, you look at News, internationally, people don't get along. There's wars, there's rumors of wars. And it's also in our own backyard. I mean, all you have to do is go to social media for about five seconds to realize people don't get along. Am I right? Wouldn't it be great to have someone who could judge between people? Who could settle that argument? Who could settle that dispute? Not just for the sake of being right, but for the sake of making things right. I think whether you think about what's going on in Ukraine or what's going on in our country or maybe what's going on with your coworkers and your family. To have a judge that would arbitrate. Not just so that you could be made right. Not that just so you could be proven right. But just so that the arguing and the fighting would end. In other words, this judge comes to make things right. It's the hope of the world. 
And Isaiah has this hope that all people and all nations will come to this mountain and they will understand and know and recognize that there is a judge that settles all things, that makes it all right. So much so that the swords that we used to carry, we make it into a gardening tool. And the spear that we bring, that's made into a gardening tool as well. That God makes things so right in the world that the weapons we had, whether they're physical or verbal weapons, whatever they may be, whatever those weapons are, they're turned from something that produces death and violence into something that produces life like a gardening tool does. That he's actually given us a pathway to produce life and not death. And the agency is this, that nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. To not be violent is actually a choice. To train for war, as we know, it takes lots and lots of work. Lots and lots of practice. I mean, there are training exercises all the time. You've got to be ready. You've got to train. You've got to prepare. But let me tell you this, and I think this is misunderstood, and I don't think this is emphasized enough. To train for peace takes a lot more work. If you think training for war takes work, try training yourself for peace. Because as soon as somebody snaps at me, I'm ready. You feel that? As soon as that comment comes or that slight comes, I may not act on it, but I feel it inside me. I have to train myself for peace. And this is what hope looks like. To train for the day where there's no more war. Either between nations or neighbors or different political parties or even within our own families. No more disputes. And this actually takes training. Hope is the belief that your future can be better than your past and that you actually have a role to play in making it better. We believe in God's future. And you have a role to play in that. Not only for yourself, but for the entire world. But most of us aren't training for war. But maybe this is what hope looks like. So the Isaiah text is one of the lectionary texts for the first Sunday of Advent. But another lectionary text that we're going to read a little bit later on in our service is from Romans 13. 
And it says this, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt of love for one another. Forever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And whatever other commandments there may be are summed up in one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And do this, understanding the present time, the hour has already come for you. So wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime. Not in carousing or in drunkenness. Not in sexual immorality or debauchery. Not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. And do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. This is our salvation. This is our hope. He says that salvation is actually near. I love the way the message says this. The message says, get up and awake to what God is doing. I love that. Get up and awake to what God is doing. For God is putting the finishing touches on the salvation work he began when you and I first believed. I love that. This is what God is doing. God has saved you and I. And he's putting the finishing touches on as we speak. And so our hope is that our future will be better. This is what salvation looks like. But our hope also means that we have a role to play by bringing God's better future into the present. And so here's what it looks like. God has given us his command. He said, thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not commit adultery, and all these other commandments. And he says, but here's actually what hope looks like. Hope looks like love. God has taught us this. The law of the Lord. Don't commit adultery. Do not take another's life. Do not steal. Do not covet. And so the pathway towards this hope, towards this law which he's instructed us up on the mountain, which all people on the mountain will gather around, and he's going to instruct us so that we can walk in that way. The pathway is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. How would you want to be loved? And then he goes on to say this, that love does no harm. It does the neighbor no harm. And so this is why we turn swords into plowshares and spears into pruning hooks, because love does no harm. This is why nations don't lift up the sword against other nations, is because love is the fulfillment of the law. And this is the agency that we have. He says, wake up to what God is doing. 
And he uses this metaphor of being asleep. And it's almost like he's saying when you're asleep, you have no agency. But he says, wake up. You actually have a role to play in this hope. You actually have a role to play in this better future. And he says this. Put aside carousing and drunkenness. He actually, I think, speaks to some things that he says, pay attention to the present time. And it's interesting that the present time that he's talking about, things haven't changed that much. For we have this saying, live like there's no tomorrow. And so we're tempted to live like there's no tomorrow and to overindulge in life. And living like there's no tomorrow is not living like there's hope. For hope is a belief that your future is better than your present and your past. He also says, put aside sexual immorality. Do not commit adultery. For adultery is not the way to love. It causes mistrust. It causes insecurity. It causes deep, deep pain. But Jesus goes beyond that to say it's not just adultery. But then when we lust. Lust is not love. For when we lust... That is satisfying what we want. And not what's best for our neighbors. And not what God wants. And he says, put aside dissension and jealousy. In other words, don't covet other people's stuff. That's not the way of love. And kind of grumbling and dissension. I wonder if sometimes we love in our arguments with people. And I'm not saying there's not real things to debate. But I wonder, and I'm saying this as much as to myself as I am to you. I'm wondering if sometimes when I want to argue with someone and I want to be, just get into it. I have to look deep inside and ask is this really about this thing? Or is it about my own love to be right? Do I love being right more than I love this person that's sitting across from me, that I'm debating, that I'm arguing with? This is the season of Advent. And Advent is about two arrivals. The birth of Jesus and the risen Jesus coming again. We co commemorate the first and we await the second. And so this is our hope. That God has brought a better world to us in Jesus Christ. And that he is bringing a better world, a better future when he comes again. And he's given us a pathway. Jesus is the pathway and we have a role to play in that better future and that role is love. And our hope 
Each week begins right here at these tables. The table of the Lord. This is the table of hope. It's the table where we believe that there is a better future. A future where all people will gather one day around this table for a feast. We're just getting a small portion of that. If your Thanksgiving meal was good, wait till the table of the Lord. When all people from all across the globe will gather around in an unending feast. It is the table where we participate, these tables. We participate in God's future. We participate by loving each other and by loving God. God's law of love reigns at these tables that you're about to walk up to. So come in hope today. There's cracker and there's juice. There's also a basket for your offering. If you need prayer, confession, I want to talk about baptism. There are elder couples and ministers standing around the room. This is a table of hope. Welcome to God's table. Welcome to the table of the Lord. Let's stand.